provide the historic River Market District in downtown Kansas City, Missouri. From the banks of the beautiful crystal blue waters of the Missouri River, it is Two Douchebags and Microphone Podcast. Our constant pursuit for a real knee slapper. It's strange insults from an alien. Real hilarity. You have more depth in your personality than you do in your pants. Please remember to go to Cole's dressing room, wait five minutes, and scream, Hey, there's no toilet paper in here! This is Two Douchebags and Microphone. I'm Mark. And I'm Rob. Hi, welcome everybody. Uh, we have a lot of different subjects we're probably going to get into tonight. I even have an I Call Bullshit on someone. Oh, right on. We haven't done one of those in a while. No, we so haven't. There's a lot of like to, but we can't go there. Uh, well, yeah, 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 I got it. So, you know... Um, um, this one, uh, it, it was overwhelmingly, I was looking at the facts of the situation and everything, and I was like, you know what, I've got to call bullshit on this guy. It needs to happen, and it's going to happen a little bit later in the podcast, where typically we don't, uh, we don't do, I call bullshits just right off the bat. We kind of wait a little bit and put them, and mix them in there. So, right. we'll, we'll be getting to that in a little while. So, we got an I call bullshit coming up, and, um... Some other stories that uh, that we have there. So, anyhow, I'd like yeah, to start. And uh, I'm going to start a new segment tonight also. Oh, yeah, yeah, you were telling me about. Please tell everybody, Rob. Yeah, uh, I'm going to do a segment on Old West hygiene. I love that. <laughs> I really do, yeah. Rob. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's interesting, man. It's interesting. I don't know if people are like me. I would assume because you listen to this podcast that you're an odd duck like me. You like odd <laughs> facts. You like odd people. You like odd things. So I would think that this would be something that people that like that genuinely like this podcast and are fans would dig their teeth into and go, "Yes, that is something I would really like to know a little bit more about." So Rob, excellent. And this is, and this is something I came up with on my on my own. And I brought up the Margies, and that'd be awesome. So, here we are. Okay. All right. Well, you know, we do a lot of uh, food news on here, right? Yes, yes. And then uh, we have a little sponsor clip that we got to get into, too, after the food news, because it is all food-related. And uh, so, okay, we're going to start off with some fast food news. Um, The first thing on the fast food news is this right here. McDonald's will be offering a pumpkin and cream pie. It it is... uh, Features a sugar-coated and baked turnover-style crust with pumpkin pie filling on one side and cream filling on the other. The seasonal dessert is generally available during the fall uh, and uh, in an opt-in basis while supplies last. An opt-in basis means that, like, I've found this on stuff like this, the seasonal desserts and stuff like that. Most restaurants do participate in it. But there may be a couple here or there that don't, for whatever reason. Uh, maybe not the staffing or whatever. But um, this is going to be coming up here real soon in September, and it's going to last through October. And uh, then, uh, uh, then while well, supplies last, I think it just depends on what day in October it ends, right? Yeah. Or November 1st or whatever. They may go through Halloween. Who knows? So... That is, that is the first one. And then this next one, that's cool. McDonald's doing that is cool. Generally, McDonald's um, sweet stuff is usually pretty quality. I don't really have any complaints with it. I think it's generally pretty good. They do a pretty good job of stuff like that. So I think that's going to be okay. But here's what I'm really anxious about right here. Here's what I'm excited about. Hardy's launches a new Nashville star uh, hot chicken lineup. A Nashville, uh, a Nashville hot chicken to me. At a uh, fast food chain, if they can pull that off decent, that's a gem. Because Nashville hot chicken is hard to find. Good hard chicken, uh, Nashville hard uh, hot chicken is even harder to find. So, 
Um, joining uh, Hardy's uh, signature uh, hand-breaded chicken platform, the new hot hand-breaded Nashville-style chicken sandwich, hot hand-breaded Nashville-style chicken tenders, and a Nashville hot-style chicken biscuit as well. So, they're going to have those three different Nashville-style chickens, and it's going to be strips, a, a traditional Nashville hot chicken sandwich, and a biscuit in the morning, or whenever you choose to eat it. Nashville hot, uh, the descriptions of all of them are as follows. Nashville hot hand-breaded chicken sandwich, a premium all-white chicken filet, hand-dipped in a buttermilk lightly breaded and fried to a golden brown. So it's got a buttermilk uh, dressing and uh, into the uh, breading and um, and fried to a golden brown. Topped with Nashville hot seasoning plus garlic pickles and mayo served with a, on a, pota- a toasted potato bun. Now that sounds really good to me. What do you think, Rob? That sounds pretty good to me. If they do it right, I'm going to be a fan. I'm going to be a fan for a while because, like I said, it's hard to good... It's hard to get a good uh, Nashville hot chicken sandwich anywhere, let alone a fast food place. So if they can pull it off even adequately, I will go there and buy their uh, hot Nashville hot chicken sandwich. I love the garlic pickles and the uh, and the mayo. Because if you go to Nashville to Hattie B's or, or any place that pulls off a hot chicken like that, that's one of the essentials ingredients, the potato bun, the garlic pickles, and the mayo. So, that's good, and then they'll have the fries covered. They sell fries, so to, to me, you got to follow those up with fries and good mac and cheese. That's what makes a great pairing of a hot Nashville hot chicken sandwich. So, the next description, Nashville hot hand-breaded chicken biscuit. A tender all-white meat chicken breast, battered and breaded in the brand's crispy coating, uh, topped with Nashville's hot seasoning, and a made-from-scratch biscuit. Nothing sounds bad with that, does it? No, it don't. Then the next one, the Nashville Hot Chicken Tenders. Premium all-white meat chicken, hand-dipped in a buttermilk, lightly breaded, fried to a golden brown, and topped with Nashville Hot Seasoning. Each order is served with dipping sauce, which is essential to that. So, um, I'm in. (laughs) Sounds me too. Sounds good to me. And then finally, on the uh, fast food news... We have a uh, United Chipotle lovers. Carne asada is back, only for a limited time. So hurry. So there you go, and we have a couple little tidbits of fast food after this. So the carne asada is back at Chipotle. If you love carne asada, go fucking get you some before it's gone. Next one, Josh Allen's Pizzeria in Buffalo is offering an interception pizza free of charge all through September. So they, they will literally throw the pizza in the air if you intercept it like Josh Allen's three passes were intercepted um, earlier this week. You get it for free. And then the Joey Burrow pizza is offering a flat, flat on your back three-point pizza free of charge as well as unlimited. So isn't that great? That's awesome. They thought of us. Even in their time of need, they thought of everybody. Little Joey Burrow and Josh Allen both. You guys are troopers. Thank you. Thank you. I think the interception pizza is going to go over well because he's getting pretty easily intercepted. So I'm going to think that a lot of people are going to be intercepting these pizzas and getting themselves a free pizza. And little Joey Burrow, I mean, you know, he's flat on his back scoring three points a fucking a game. So, you know. That's he's just gonna give you the pizza. He's like that no argument, I'm sorry. Orlando Brown is a bust. Please, please forgive me. I'm sorry for mouthing off. It's not Burrowhead. Yes I am. I'm a bitch. Yes, yes, I'm a bottom. Here, here you go. So anyhow. Okay. And then after this I have a serious note. Daily Kitchen at the City Market, which is a fantastic place to eat. It's right next to City Market Coffee, and you will be introduced to this place when you get up here, Rob. Oh, I can't wait. It is. Um, they have a $15 lunch special, which is a fantastic deal for the quality of food you get and how tasty the food is and the recipes. Um, you get an entree, a salad, and a drink. 
for fifteen dollars. Yeah, and they have stuff like uh, I mean, like they have a meatloaf sandwich, brisket sandwich, roast pork, grilled cheese, curried chicken, egg salad. Um, uh, let's see, their egg sandwich I had this morning, which is very good, only seven dollars and fifty cents. It's scrambled eggs, sausage, cheese, lettuce, tomato, spicy mayo on a butter bun, and it is fantastic. Oh, my God. That sounds awesome. Yeah. The buffalo chicken salad is fantastic. I've had that. Um, the egg scrambles. Uh, the country breast breakfast is excellent. The meatloaf sandwich is excellent. The brisket sandwich is to die for. That cheese that they put on it, man, I'll tell you what. And now, for the time being, until I say it's off... You go into the Daily Kitchen at the City Market in Kansas City, Missouri, and you mention Two Juice Bags and a Microphone Podcast, 10% off. So, not only, do, not only do you get this great deal, but you also get 10% off on that if you mention our names. So, go in there. The lady is a fantastic right lady. Uh, talk to her for a while. She's very interesting. She's lived all over this world. Um, she has had businesses all over this world. And she is a really interesting cat. So just go in there and talk to her. And a uh, very interesting person. I love talking to her. Uh, when I was having my sandwich this morning down there, uh, had a good conversation with her. And uh, I didn't know it, but she had her own radio show around Kansas City for a while on the Comedy Channel. It was like, I don't know. Really? I thought, uh, yeah, Comedy Channel was like 1540 or something. Is is in the 90s for a couple of years. And is on yeah. AM is like 1540 is way up the dial, very weak signal. I don't know how many watts it was, but she had a foodie show on there about food, and um, and uh, anyhow she she owned her own restaurant right across from uh, from the uh, Uptown Theater, and the Uptown Theater uh, was where the comedy uh, station originated. A comedian, I guess, he owned it and broadcasted yeah. from there. Um, so anyhow, go in there, tell her the two douchebags sent you, and get your ten percent off and enjoy her food. It's very good. And talk to her. I, I'll tell you what. I can't wait to meet her. Yeah, talking to her is just as much of a treat as the food. And believe me, they're both a, a very, they're both a very good treat. So anyhow, Daily Kitchen, City Market, Kansas City, Missouri. Go there. Get your ten percent off. Take advantage of the $15 special. Enjoy yourself, and uh, tell them two douchebags and microphones sent you. And thank you, guys. So, all right. Let's see. Hey, I got a little story. Yes, go ahead. A woman who was sleeping in a popular Virginia beach has died after a lifeguard station stand fell and crushed her, according to police. Oh, oh, oh. Virginia Beach Police Department officers were alerted to report a lifeguard stand had fallen onto someone near 21st Street on the beach at about 3.30 a.m. on Saturday, September 9th. The officers arrived at the location. They determined the lifeguard stand fell on top of the woman and she was pronounced dead at the scene. Police later identified the woman as 28-year-old Chelsea Moles. In a statement sent to Newsweek, a VDPD spokesperson said, Investigators deem this incident as an accidental death. Most was believed to be sleeping on top of the stand when another individual tied a hammock to the stand, causing the stand to topple over, crushing on top of Moles. Wow. Oh, wow. Talk about bad luck. You talk about your... That can't be a a very good stand to begin with. No, I know. You talk about your time. That's all it took. You know, people go, it was their time. Whenever that happens, wouldn't you say that was definitely her time? Well, when I read further into it, it mentioned how she was known to be homeless and... So her chances went way up. That's why she uh, was on uh, the beach. Yeah, yeah, she was probably hanging out underneath it, maybe getting a, a little bit of uh, shade or something. And so her chances went way up, considering she probably hung around there all the time. So, yeah. well, she may not have any family to reap the benefits of the lawsuit, so who knows? 
<laughs> so, well, 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 too bad. What's her name again? Chelsea, oh, I popped out of it. Chelsea, we'll just call her Chelsea. Chelsea, yeah. sorry about your luck. Good luck in the great beyond. Hopefully you're not homeless in heaven. Hopefully you have a nice, beautiful house there. Right? Yep. All right, well, there we go. I got, I got another one for you, too. <laughs> All right, Rob, the floor is yours. A man is in custody after he allegedly voluntarily confessed to killing and raping a young woman in Boston in 1979, according to prosecutors. Wow, okay. Susan Marsha Rose, a 24-year-old with red hair, was killed in an apartment building in Boston's Back Bay neighborhood on October 30, 1979, the Suffolk County District Attorney's Office said Monday. In August, 68-year-old John Ermer of Oregon walked into the FBI office in Portland and allegedly told agents that he met a woman with red hair at a Boston skating rink around Halloween 1979. Ermer said he and the woman walked into 285 Beacon Street, which was under renovation. Herman then allegedly picked up a hammer and fairly hit her in the head before raping her during prosecution. Oh, it sounds like he killed her first and then raped her. Not that not that it's any better, but I mean, uh. wow. Yeah, it goes on a little bit a little further about how they said how bad it was, but they matched DNA. And so, matched so did he say why he finally turned himself in? Was it finally some sort of guilt? No, no. It, see, the story did not say why he decided to turn himself. That's what I was wondering. Hmm. You wouldn't think anybody like that would have any guilt. No. I mean, it's that old, you know, no. not long ago, unless... He ain't got nothing else, you know. Hey, yeah. at least the roof and three maybe, hops, maybe, you know? maybe he's getting closer to death and he's afraid of the afterlife. Uh, well, uh, you know, go to, Could that's be. what I'm saying. Go to prison. I, yeah. Three hops uh, and a cat. Yeah, maybe he's thinking, you know what, if I go to prison, at least I'll make it up down here and maybe I'll be forgiven and... The afterlife. I don't know. Who knows how someone like that thinks? They obviously don't think. Uh, yeah, don't think you know. rational. You know, there's just something that's. Uh, you know, that luckily the rest of us are missing. You know, so. Wow. Okay. Well, uh, how about if I go to something a little bit more lighthearted, Rob? Yeah, please do. Okay. I got others too. Okay, I got, we're I got right. more lighthearted stuff. Okay, we'll go back to the lighthearted stuff of yours here in a minute. But you know yeah. Kadarius Tony, right? Of the Kansas City yeah. Chiefs, we got him from the Giants last year in a trade. Yeah. Well, Kadarius Tony had a very bad game. He had a horrible game. He tipped the pass that led to a pick six interception, a perfect pass, mind you. Um, and um, and he had a horrible game. Kadarius Tony was viciously trolled by the Giants fans after his disastrous playing in Thursday night's NFL kickoff game. Tony accounted for seven dropped or tipped passes, resulting in a pick six and at least one wide-open touchdown run. Giants, Giant fans were brutal with scathing comments about his uh, durability to his focus to even his character. So Sunday night, Tony's old uh, team was promptly destroyed by the Dallas Cowboys 40 to nothing. After Dallas finished off its 40 to nothing dismantling on national TV, Tony posted on his Instagram page a series of photos that included close-ups of Daniel Jones and Shaquan Barkley looking all dejected. Picks of halftime, which uh, Cowboys were leading 26-0, included celebration photos of touchdowns with the caption, Nah, don't get quiet on me now. Well, yep, New Yorker, East Coast obnoxious fan, you get what you send out, bitch. Enjoy your crow, enjoy eating it. Because you guys deserved every fucking bit of this. You troll the, you troll this boy, and then you lose 40 to nothing. There you go, cocky fuck. You just got it right in your face. Eat your crow and shut up. Then, on another note, speaking of uh, Twitter, Twatter, 
fucking insta puke, all that shit. Orlando Brown, the guy that left Kansas City, he couldn't leave Kansas City quick enough to go to the Bengals, or uh, right yeah. tackle. Um, he could not leave the Chiefs fast enough. He rejected a $139 million contract and ran to the Bengals to sign, mostly because he wanted to switch the side he lined up on. Well, Mr. Brown had one of his worst games ever on the Bengals' home game against the Browns. The Browns only allowed Lil' Joey Burrow three points. Brown uh, Brown went down like a meth head when, he, uh, when the meth head hears the rattle of a crisp $20 bill. That's how fast Brown went down. Heard the rattle of a $20 bill and he was down. Lil' Burrow was uh, sacked seven times. Everyone as fun as the other. Brown got a uh, slew of shit on Twitter from Chiefs fans, and rightfully so. So, we'll see you, little Joey Brown, uh, Orlando Brown and little Joey Burrow. See you in the funny papers. So, anyhow, how about if we come back with an I Call Bullshit? Sounds good to me. Alrighty, we will be right back. And now, Deep Thoughts with Mark. So, if I have a glass of ice water, and the ice melts into the water, is my water then watered down? Hmm. I may never know. This is the voice guy from your favorite podcast, Two Douchebags and a Microphone. People often ask us how they can find us when doing a remote broadcast. One, smell. Go to the city market and start sniffing. Our aroma has been described as a mixture of flea powder for goats, Tabasco sauce, and old sock with dark fuzzy urine. Two, look for the spot absent of patrons. Three, the most telling sign is a crowd of patrons vomiting uncontrollably. Four, just call us at 816-512-7717. All right, as forementioned, uh, we have an I Call Bullshit coming up, so let's take another pause so I can insert the ha-ha I Call Bullshit promo. So we'll be right back again. Oh no, it looks like someone's on their high horse again. It's another episode of I Call Bullshit. Bullshit. Okay, as forementioned, I Call Bullshit on Elon Musk. Uh Uh-oh. Yeah. Elon knew from the start that he wasn't going to fight Zuckerberg is what I'm contending here. When the fight with words first originated a half year ago or so, it started with Zuckerberg showing his mixed martial arts uh, matches and how well he was doing. Musk was mocked because he was about to fight a semi-pro fighter without any fight experience. Then soon after came the story surfacing about Musk being high up in the judo chain. No footage was ever released after the claim, and Musk would back out without a, a, with, a, with a barrage of excuses. Well, Rob, I don't think it's too hard to uh, call this one, is it? No, it's not. I call, and Rob calls, and everybody who's thought about it calls bullshit on Elon Musk. He has puffed out his chest before, only to back down, see his Twitter layoffs. So, complete... Sam douchery on his part. He he come out there puffing out his chest, saying, "Oh yeah, I can beat the guy. I can beat the guy." And then probably people around him said, uh, "Have you seen any of his matches?" Oh, oh, what? What do you mean? Yeah, well, take a look. Zuckerberg may be an idiot, and he may be a fuckface, and he may be a douchebag, and he may be a fucking total asswipe, but the guy can fight. See said match, yeah. and then Elon Musk is probably like, hmm. Well, shit. I might just get my ass kicked. And that would be more humiliating than actually just stepping out and for a bunch of bullshit reasons, in my opinion. I think Elon is afraid to fight Zuckerberg. And I think rightfully so. 
I think it probably is people close around him said, dude, you're going to have an even worse PR nightmare than you already have by fighting this guy because he's going to kick the shit out of you. And I also think that yeah. he probably spread these things about, oh, uh, he knows judo. He's been practicing for a long time. Oh, it's going to be a hell of a fight, guys. You better watch out. Mixed martial arts against judo. Oh, boy. And then when it all came down to it, it didn't even happen. And they had all of these um, charities lined up to uh, benefit from it and all that. So uh, I'm saying, Elon, I think you're a tool bag. And in my opinion, you lied. I think you lied to try to look cool, and then you just lied to get yourself out of it, in my opinion. So, Elon Musk, I call bullshit on you. So I do, too. Yep. Yep, complete garbage. So, hey, Rob, you had some lighthearted stories? Yeah. Hey, uh, I was ran across one. Okay. It was on uh, metalcast.net. Okay. Um, it's called the top five bands. Jetty Lee named his favorites of all time. This will be interesting because I love Jetty yeah. Lee, and I yeah. think he has. Uh, yeah. yeah, go ahead. Jetty Lee of Rush, for those that don't know. And I'm, I'm gonna simplify it because they named them and then had this big spiel about each one afterwards. So yeah, yeah, please do because not everybody's nerds like us. Yeah, yeah. Okay, number five, Radiohead. Hmm, okay. Number four, Genesis with Peter Gabriel. Okay, okay. Um, I like the Phil Collins version, too, but with Peter Gabriel, it was good, too. I do, too, but, well. Number three. Led Zeppelin. Cool. Number two, The Who. Eh, okay. I've never been that huge of a Who fan, but it's cool. Yeah, not not that huge. That's probably where he gets his bass stuff from, why he liked to do the lead bass stuff, because The Who did a lot of stuff with their bass, too. So it was probably just a musical influence. And his number one, Cream. I can't necessarily. I can't necessarily yeah. argue with Cream. Um, Cream is no. never or never will be one of my favorite bands, or even close to it. But the talent that emerged from there, the talent that was in that band—Ginger Baker and Eric Clapton and uh, um, yeah. yeah, oh shit, I forgot the. Uh, anyhow, their singer and I, I mean, uh, yeah. Undeniable, crazy, crazy talented songwriting. Um, everything about Cream was just so good. I mean, like I said, they'll never be one of my favorite bands because the music, I like the music, but I wasn't in love with the music. So, um, anyhow, though, Cream. Well, uh, you you know, got to remember, Getty Lee's older. No, 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 I get, I get it. I absolutely oh. get it because, I mean, like, why, why do you think that Ozzy did a song with Eric Clapton? Uh, on his right. last album, you know, Jeff Beck is obvious because of his guitar talent and all that, and Eric Clapton's right. guitar talent. Well, where did a lot of these people like Ozzy hear that music? Well, when they were still getting into music, they were listening to things like Cream, because Cream was already established in the UK and already huge. And right. Right. and right. you know, and you know the the Eric Clapton stuff and the wah wah pedal and all that stuff originated pretty much from Cream, and then went on. You know, Eric Clapton. Um, built on his legacy in Cream but Cream is one of those bands that was so uber talented and wrote such uber talented songs that I get it I definitely get it so okay like I said the music was just a little bit before my time maybe if I was a few years older Cream would have been above um, I don't know um, Ozzy or Motley Crue or whatever you know what I mean they would have right. probably been above that, but the timing for me was just after Cream, so I didn't get the full effect of how good they were, you know. So anyhow, I get it. So okay. Um, um, do you want another music story? Sure. Okay. In the new interview with Canada's The Metal Voice, 
Dutch guitarist Adrian Vanderberg was asked if he was ever approached by Ozzy Osbourne or Kiss to join their band since Adrian's Vanderberg members band Vanderberg in the 80s yeah, yeah. Okay, it supported both of those legendary rock acts in the 1980s. He responded as transcribed by Blabbermouth.net. I did a story that I never told before, but it was Ozzy, actually. The first time I met him during the 1983 tour, when when uh, when we started, but I was, uh, I, I must say, he was not quite sober, which is very unusual for Ozzy, of course. I think he was joking on that. But yeah, his tour manager introduced me to him, and he was in the lunchroom of one of the hotels. And he said, Adrian, do you want to join my band? I said, man, we're supporting you guys. And Jakey Lee was Ozzy's guitarist at the time, is a fantastic player. And he mumbled something like, we'll stay in touch or whatever. But later on, some people mentioned that Don Airy and a couple of other guys in the band mentioned to Ozzy that my style of playing had a lot of resemblance with uh, Randy Rhodes playing in the in the sense of classical influence like Euro metal type stuff combined with American and blues and whatever so hearing that and hearing Randy's playing because I was not really familiar with Randy playing because Ozzy was not popular in Europe at the time he was uh, huge in the United States so when we got the invitation to support him I was kind of surprised. I thought, wow, Ozzy. I didn't really know he was uh, such that huge in the States. So, um, anyhow, I mean, I guess that Ozzy even then was not happy with Jakey e. Lee in 1983. Yeah, that was, uh, oh. that was the Bark of the Moon era, and that would have been the first album they'd done together. They only did two albums together. With He only did two oh. albums with Jakey e. Lee, and that would be Bark at the Moon and The Ultimate Sin. Both albums were really right. good, very well written. Um, the second one, um, The Ultimate Sin, was uh, was produced by Ron Nevison and had more of a poppy feel, which he is trying to go for. You know, the Queen, one of the Queen producers, for uh, did some Queen producing on Queen albums, and um, it wasn't received quite as well because of the poppy element, where um, where Bark at the Moon was heavier and darker. Uh, songs like Rock and Roll Rebel, Journey to the Center of uh, Eternity. Uh, um, it even had a ballad on it called So Tired, which actually hit pretty well in the States. And um, I find it interesting that after doing uh, Bark at the Moon, which was such a success, and Jakey e. Lee sounded so good on that album that he was ready to replace him. You think like maybe they just clashed from day one and didn't get along that well, and maybe Ozzy could sense that it was going to end, and he was just trying to you know be proactive and be like, oh, I got to get the next guy, or do you think that Ozzy thought that Adrian Vanderberg might have sounded that much like Randy Rhodes that he could have kept the style they were going for in Blizzard and Dire of a Madman? What 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 do you think? I don't know what happened because I liked Jake. Uh, I did too. I thought he was very good with the albums, and I thought he was. Uh, yeah. He was exactly what Ozzy needed after Randy died. Um, well, at that time, music was changing at the, at that time. Rob, Everybody that's a great that's a great point. Power. That's a great point because everyone was trying to sound like Motley Crue and Rat, and that's yeah, exactly what yeah. they fell in line with with that album. So I don't really know if Ozzy was like trying to sound like uh, Randy Rose, or he was heartbroken because his best friend and guitarist died, or that what? Very well, could then. Was Jake had some big shoes to fill, man? Well, he, everybody knew it. Everybody. Knew do you recall it. any of the interviews Jake talked about? He said that people were flipping him off and telling him to fuck off. He's not Randy Rose yeah, and all that stuff. Yeah. And it wasn't even his fault. Yeah. Randy Rhodes died. He didn't get fired. You know, Randy Rhodes died. So the guy had... Someone had to be there facilitating the guitar work. Someone had to be there helping with the songs. You know? And people are just fucking cruel. You know? So, anyhow, Jakey Lee took a lot of that personal, and he didn't like it. Uh, It wasn't Ozzy's fault. I mean, what's Ozzy going to do about it? But, uh, anyhow, I don't know what the combination of events were. Or maybe him and Jake just clashed all the time. Maybe they didn't get along that well. 
You know, maybe yeah, Ozzy, maybe Ozzy was drunk all the time and just being an idiot, and Jake didn't like it. Who knows? But I find it interesting that even after Bark at the Moon, right after that album on that tour, he was ready to dump Jakey Lee for Adrian Vanderberg. Huh. I, I, I don't know. I find that really interesting and peculiar, honestly. So, oh well. You know, maybe they just clashed a lot. Who knows what the deal was? But that, that I, I, I've heard time and time again they did clash a lot. So. Well, I know there there was like notorious stories about Jakey e. Lee walking out on studio albums, just going "fuck you" and just leaving, and mind games like he'd say, "Yeah, I'll be there at one," and then he wouldn't show up, or he'd show up at like five p.m. Yeah. or something. Yeah. And, and there's a lot of stories like that, but who knows where? I mean, you know. Ozzy was fucked out of his mind so much too. Who knows? I mean, you know, Ozzy could have been like, "Hey, we'll be there recording," and then he doesn't show up for two weeks. You know, it's just it's just like the famous story that I love, and I think I told it on this podcast before. But this was in Brad Gillis's book or memoirs, and uh, Brad Gillis had to fill in for the rest of the Diary of the Madman tour after uh, Randy Rhodes died. They had uh, I don't know, like maybe ten concerts left to do. And they weren't going to cancel the concert. They were going to fulfill their obligations. So, uh, Brad Gillis said that, like, um, Ozzy would be pissed out of his mind, and he would disappear. And so, I think he said they were in Dallas. And um, and um, Sharon put out an APB on Ozzy because he'd been gone for a few days, and the concert was at night. And, uh, yeah. and she's like, oh, shit, man, everybody, you know, let everybody know, find Ozzy. Yeah, he's got a concert night. We need him to be here. So Ozzy shows up at the hotel room, and his uh, head was shaved. And Sharon comes in the room. What the fuck? Well, Ozzy, what the hell did you do? And he's like muttering shit. He did, they, they couldn't even tell. He was an el- he is illegible. They could not tell what the fuck he was saying. He was, he was fucked out of his mind. So... Then um, Ozzy, watch this. He runs over and he grabs this wig and he throws it on. He says, "Go, problem solved." So Sharon's like, "You wear that fucking wig, and and you wear it every time you have a concert till your hair grows back. You're a rock star and you need your fucking hair." So they're getting ready to go out on stage. This few hours later, Brad Gillis looks back and Ozzy pulls his wig off. And he grabs one of those little ketchup bottles that you get with your, like, food at a hotel uh, room service. Takes the ke- yeah. ketchup, and he, like, pours it all over his head. And Brad's like, oh, fuck, this concert's going to go like shit. Damn, wow. <laughs> fuck. <laughs> so he's like, I don't, why am I here? Fuck, I should have, you know, he's like thinking, having fantasies about the, doing Night Ranger, you know. And, and so... Anyhow, Ozzy goes out, and he I guess he just had a fucking hell of a concert. Just fucking rips the place up. People are going nuts. They said, like, maybe three songs left in the whole in the whole set. And suddenly, Ozzy pulls his fucking wig off, and all that ketchup looked like blood pouring down his head. And people thought oh he ripped God. his fucking hair off of his head, and that was a bloody scalp. And he said that the audience went from, yeah, Ozzy, to, oh, my God, what the hell? And people, like, running, vomiting, fucking screaming. <laughs> <laughs> that maybe, awesome. maybe Jakey Lee got, sh- got sick of shit like that, right? <laughs> no. Uh-huh. <laughs> Me? I would have ate that shit up. I'd been like, oh my god. And then Ozzy pulled his hair off. What? Yeah, he pulled his hair off and there was blood everywhere. He he, he, he he had long hair, but he pulled it all off and there's blood everywhere. And then people go, man, dude, how many mushrooms did you do? Tell me the truth. Did you swallow some acid? No, I'm serious. Hey, <laughs> no, wait, wait, wait. That was about the time Ozzy pissed on Alamo, too. Yeah, he went on a binge. It was about that time. Yeah, he, that he, uh, he notoriously went crazy after Randy's death. He notoriously oh went crazy. He was already a partier, but he was just fucked out of his mind after Randy's death. He was like, you know, yeah, he, he was went eating, off the rails. Yeah, he went off the rails. He was eating up with sorrow. He didn't know what to do. The only thing he knew what to do was be outlandish and crazy, and that's what he did. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
And he was good at it. Yeah, yes he was. <laughs> so, I would love, I cannot find footage of that anywhere, but I would love to have footage of that. So, anyone out there, if you know where I get footage of that, let me know. I want to see this. I want to see him pull his uh, alleged hair off and blood run all over his scalp, and I want to see the look of the audience when he does this. So, anyhow, um, I also have a little bit more music news, if you will. Is that okay, Rob? Yeah, yeah. Okay. In a new interview with Rock of Nations with uh, Dave Kitchen and Shane McHearn, founding uh, Judas Priest guitarist Kenneth K.K. Downing was asked about the possibility of him ever rejoining his former bandmates on stage in the future. He said... Wait, I at, had that story. Oh, you did? Well, no, go ahead. Okay. Go ahead. I wasn't going to use it. Oh, okay. Go for it. All right, as transcribed by Blabbermouth.net, well, I asked them if they want me to step back into a role of a couple of times in writing, and, and the answer came back, no. So it is what it is. And then I went, okay, fine. Then I will start a new band that's uh, what I've done with, uh, it's named KK's Priest. And now I'm pretty happy, really because I've rediscovered, I mean, I used to write all the material for the band back in the late 60s, early 70s. And I forgot what it's like to be. It's kind of uh, it's kind of nice to put material down and just say what goes on and what and what doesn't yourself, without having to collaborate and and everything takes so long. It's great to just uh, just get on with it. Downing went on to say that he is particularly disappointed that fellow founding uh, priest member Ian Hill, the bassist, has seemingly decided against having KK rejoin the group. Honestly, the worst thing about the whole thing is that Ian has denied me the opportunity to step back into the band, he said. I mean, we went to kindergarten together. We were like brothers, and we spent many years at the back of the bus complaining about everybody else. I always thought it was me and him for many years, but I just don't know how that can happen. Like I say, and Rob Halford, who was a vocalist, left the band for 14 years, and when I was instrumental in inviting him back to into the band how can he deny me the opportunity to go on stage and play my songs they're saying we're going to do it but you can't because Ian and Rob never wrote any of the music for this band well um, I tell you why they invited Rob Halford back after 14 years and after he really kind of just stepped down out of nowhere because he was mad at the record label for telling him to tone down the Judas Priest brand and all that okay and, and he very famously just took off, and he didn't tell the band or anything. He, he did a press conference, and from what I understand, he didn't tell the band, and the band was like, what the fuck? Did our lead singer just quit on live TV and they didn't tell us? And there was a lot of hard feelings. Quite frankly, the reason Rob Halford was invited back into the band is because they were not selling without him. And when he came back into the band, no big surprise. They were selling records, and they were selling concerts. So that's why Rob Halford's back in the band. The reason uh, K.K. Downing's not in the band is probably money. They have uh, uh, Richie Faulkner doing the same thing he did, and he's probably not making nearly as much as K.K. Downing, who was a founding member, was making. So it's probably that right there, and as we all know, the piece of the pie isn't nearly as big as it used to be for any 70s, 80s metal band. It's just not there. So they're probably looking at it as a monetary reason, and that's probably the long and the short of it, and I don't blame KK for taking it personal, but I guess it's business, right? Right. Yep. So... Anyhow, that was the other music news that I had, and we will be right back after this. Two tool bags and a socket wrench will be right back. Swimming in toxic masculinity and wiping their ass with politically correct wash rags. Two douchebags and a microphone invade your ear holes in three, two, one. All aware of the Amber Alert, right? Well, get rid of your disinfectants and rubber bedspreads, kids. It's the all-new Amber Herd Alert System. This fantastic early warning device helps one stay dry and rid of all those annoying mattress invoices. Simply hook up to child under six or psychopath and wait for the running water sound. 
This clever machine has three distinct settings, babbling brook, ocean waves, and roaring river for those close calls. Order today and get a free Cinnabon Renewsit cartridge. Our constant pursuit for a real knee slapper. It's strange insults from an alien. Real hilarity. You are just like a cloud. It's a beautiful day when you disappear. All right, two douchebags and microphone. I am Mark. And I am Rob. All right, um, something I'd like to note really quick. And do you have some stuff you want to go into, Rob? Well, I was going to get to my Wild West hiking. Okay, that's cool. Hang on one minute. Let me mention this. Okay, on the podcast, there's a couple of things. I did away with two douchebags and microphone.net, and there are some people that relied on it. I hope they will be able to find our uh, program without having any of that website because that website was virtually useless except for the so many people that went there which wasn't that big of an amount of people and uh, so um, that is gone for now I still retained the name I still own the name to douchebags and microphone.net but honestly I could not get anything to work right on it and until I get a webmaster or something or someone that knows a little bit more about it than me it's going to remain like this it's not going to be in existence because it just frankly is not getting it done I had to come up with a different uh, email address because that one would never come through for me people tell me hey did you get my list I'm like what list and I go well I sent it to two douchebags microphone.net on their website I'm like no I didn't get it like everything else I didn't get so that is off the table for now it might come back later it probably will come back later but right now it's gone because it quite simply is not performing what I needed it to and uh, number two I changed the description of the program it was grabbing the fun that life gives out for free but now now it talks about what we really are and what we are is a topical based program with odd news stories and skits and bits um, reminiscent of a, a morning show only we get to be a lot ruder and cruder because we are not bound by the FCC rules that are that governors that governors that governors radio I can't even say that right so I changed I changed the description I think I it's hope a, you typed it right I probably didn't because I probably uh, I probably uh, spelt it just <laughs> like I just like I spoke it, which no, people look at and go, what the fuck does that mean? And then they went on. They go, oh, well, I still like the program, even though he's an idiot. <laughs> hey, that's what, that's what makes us us. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. The governor, the governor and body of FCC does not govern us on, on the internets. So that's what I was trying to say or something like that or something. So now we turn our attention to Rob and his brand new segment. Rob, the floor is yours. Wild West hygiene practices that are best left in the past. All right. The Wild West was an era full of rugged cowboys, untamed spirits, and trailblazing pioneers who etched their names in American history. Much the legends and lore, one aspect remains mysterious their hygiene habits. Imagine a world devoured of running water and modern bathrooms where cleanliness, or lack thereof, had a whole new meaning. Brace yourself for a journey as we uncover the unsettling yet strangely fascinating practices of hygiene practices that were common not that long ago. First one, Large soap, whiskey, and pencils were all used in women's hair. Wow. Hair care care in the Wild West took an intriguing turn. Forget the fragrant shampoos we know today. Back then, it was all about lard and lye soap bars that were scentless and practical. But wait, there's more. 
Some daring individuals turn to an unconventional blend of whiskey and castor oil to cleanse and condition their tresses. Talk about a wild hair care cocktail. Okay. And how did women style their hair during that time? With pencils, of course. They'd wrap their locks around a pencil and hope it looked curly and cute after. Hmm. And on our next podcast, I'll have the next one. <laughs> All right. This, 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 yeah, I'll get a few podcasts out of this. Okay. Cool. I like that. That's pretty. That was interesting. Yeah, yeah. Okay, um, let's see. Uh, do you have any other stories? You said you had a few stories. Uh, let's see. Let me, uh, oh, yeah, hey. Let me run back. It's right here. Let me run back real quick. Okay. And that's a quick one. Okay. It's, well, <laughs> it was a lot longer. I'm going to shorten it up a lot. Okay. Uh, the mu- the musician Bill Collins called the greatest drummer of all time. Okay. Although there were more than a few licks that Collins had picked up from artists like John Bonham and Ginger Baker behind the kit, Buddy Rich may be one of the most evident influences on his style. Whereas both Baker and Bonham were going for a sound that fell somewhere between a drummer and a feral animal, Collins' approach was most clinically precise, making songs that had power without sacrificing brutal force for the sake of composition. So, he, his favorite drummer is Buddy Rich. Okay. Buddy Rich was a very good where, drummer, so that's where he that's where he takes a lot of his style from. Mm, well, I could see that. Well, that's that's where he you know he gets a lot of it. Okay. So. Okay. Cool. All right. Well, um, let's see. Uh, did you? Uh, I've got I've got a, a little story here about John Bon Jovi. Well, I mean, I know we did music news a little bit ago, but anyhow, um, I just now found it. I knew I had it here somewhere, but I just now located it, so I'm going to go into it now because I think it needs mentioned. Okay, John Bon Jovi is not your typical rock star. John Bon Jovi's been happily married to his high school sweetheart for 37 years. Bon Jovi has a soul foundation that has donated half a million dollars to build houses for the homeless. It, build new, it builds new homes for veterans in Washington, D.C. The project has taken 10 years to complete with help from the nonprofit Help USA, whose goal is to tackle the issue of homelessness in the United States. Bon Jovi not only do, donates his money, but time as well. He, he takes his spare time and actually helps build homes for his charity and other charities, and mainly for veterans. Yeah, he does. Yeah, yeah, I think that that deserves a very, that deserves a mention because to have a person doing that in a world that we live in is gold, but it never gets talked about. You hear about the guy slapping the piss out of his girlfriend? That gets talked about to no end on TMZ. John Bon Jovi being such a credible guy and doing this never gets talked about on TMZ. And I'll tell you what, this is a good guy here, and I can compare it to something right here. What I wrote here, meanwhile, Nikki Six is still looking for his car keys and badmouthing Mick Mars, Vince Neil, and John Karabi. While John Bon Jovi has been married to his high school sweetheart for all these years, and he uh, raised all this money for the homeless uh, veterans, and he helps build their houses in his spare time instead of getting into lawsuits. Well, so, he, he owns a restaurant where he feeds people for free too. Oh yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. And uh, 
And so anyhow, John Bon Jovi. Kudos, Mr. Bon Jovi. Kudos. Good job. And finally, but not least, on this podcast before we go to the next one. The streets of a Portuguese town ran red when uh, two vats at a local distillery burst and released nearly 600,000 gallons of red wine. Photos and videos captured by witnesses show the red wine flowing through the streets of São Lorenzo de Paul, which is a city in Portuguese, in Portugal, not Portuguese, in Portugal. The still unnamed distillery said there were uh, no injuries and they assume full responsibility of the spill and will clean up all affected areas and repair any damages that occurred during the accident. Um, There is no word on drunken animals or humans during the spill, but at least this distillery, who has not been named, is going to ante up and is going to take care of everything that was uh, hurt during their spill. So oh, good. That's good. Yeah, so good for them. You know, they took responsibility and they ended up and said we're going to do whatever it takes to uh to fix this problem and we're sorry and uh you know, um whatever. So that's cool. So anyhow, like I said, that's the last uh that's the last story on this podcast, but I think we're getting ready. Are are you wanting to do another one tonight or not, Rob? Yeah, we can. Okay. Alrighty then. So, alright everybody. We will see you on this next podcast, but the next podcast that we're getting ready to do, you won't get for a few days. So, right. as a matter of fact, you won't get this podcast right now for probably a day or so. So, got to have some editing done and a little ha-has and goof-goofs and stuff like this put in there. And then uh, then we wrap it up in a little bow and we shove it straight up your ass. Right? The, the, the stuff that really makes you laugh. Yes, yeah. Yeah, not our banter, not our not our semi-quick-witted banter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, oh, um, speaking of ass, the Harry Asshole Olympics, we're going to take, uh, what, a couple-week hiatus, right? Uh, if you want. Yeah, how about this podcast, and then this next one coming up, we stay away from the Harry Asshole Olympics, and then we bring them back in dramatic fashion in two podcasts from now. All right, sounds good. Okay, and I will introduce... My wild card, because I think I know who it is now. Uh, you you may need, yeah, you you kind of need it. Okay, I think I got the guy, Rob. Uh, you 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 have three in one band. I have six in one band. Okay, this guy, I and think, and I also have a wild card. Okay, but at this point, I don't think I need. So, oh, now. We do have two in reserve that are waiting, that have been pushed through to the finals. Oh, oh yeah, 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 that's right. They were, uh, um, shit. Uh, Rob Zombie and uh, yep. who was yours? Um. Let me find that page. Danny Terrio. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Okay. Um. So we get down to the final four, it's actually final six. Okay. Um, let's see. Um, I got to look this guy up and make sure he didn't change his look too much. Because if he changes look too much, no, he did not. This guy could win it all, but I can't tell you who it is. Well, just hope they don't change it. Next no, he did weeks. not. I just looked him up. He, he is not. No, 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 no. Uh, you wait. This guy's tough as nails, dude. All right. Okay, let me ask you this. On any of your wild cards, do you have a musician? Yes. You do? Yes. Oh, shit. We may have gotten the same guy. Hmm. Should we figure it out right now or not? No. Oh, no, 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 no. We're going to wait till they go head-to-head. And if we have the same guy, then that guy moves to the final round, right? Oh, definitely. Okay. I'm I'm worried. become the final three. Yes. I'm worried. I'm worried that we may have the same guy. That's That's why I had to refresh what I was doing. 
to make sure that he still looks like he did and he does yeah see I, I may need to do that too I may need to do that too okay well take a look I've had this guy for a few weeks okay and this guy's been around for a while right yep I bet it's the same guy Hmm. Oh well. You know what? If that is the I case, bet, I bet it's not because it's not somebody you would expect out of my mouth. Hmm. Okay. Well, this isn't somebody you'd expect out of my mouth either. I've never ever touted them as an influence or even really liked that band that much. I mean, they were good. They were okay. But as a matter of fact. You know, no, I can't say that. It'll give it away. No, 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 I'm I'm leaving it alone. You know what? We'll find out in two weeks. We'll find out. All right, everybody have a good night, and we'll be right back with a second podcast, but you won't hear that until a few days after you hear this one. So, anyhow, have a good night. Thank you for listening. Go to the Daily Kitchen. Great place. Rob, you going to say good night? Good night. Good night. Everybody go. We're the douchebags. Hmm. Oh my god, someone took a dump in the corner. Oh jeez. Ugh, glad they're gone. Let's just hope they don't come back. Oh, man, that smells.